Hello, my name is Josh. I'm Jamie. And welcome to this Conversation with Two Geeks, podcast where we talk about movies, comics, and everything in between. Today, we have a special guest. Hey, he's a writer, he's a critic, he's an author. Please welcome Richard Newbate. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, he, he, Jamie, and I are going to be talking about everything from the, sl- the passing of Kevin Conroy um, to our spoiler thoughts on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and much more. And also feel free to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter at Convo with Two Geeks. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. If you want to send us an email about anything from this episode or one of our previous episodes, we're at Conversation with Two Geeks at gmail.com. You can also find our catalog on Spotify, a podcast, Google Podcasts, or a podcast to listen to. So before we get into the sadly very, very sad first topic, um, tell us a little about yourself, Richard. Yeah, so um, I am a uh, pop culture journalist. Uh, I usually write for the Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision section, which covers all the uh, geek stuff. So perfect for this show, all the, the superheroes, mm-hmm. sci-fi, fantasy stuff. Um, I also write for Fangoria, um, covering horror. Um, I do some film criticism for the AV Club. And I also write uh, about comic books and superhero movies for Inverse. Uh, and... Uh, I'm also an author. I have a collection of horror short stories. Uh, we make monsters here. So I'm a little bit uh, all over the place. Hey, we like that. We like that. Very cool. Yeah. Um, how Actually, how has everyone's week been? It's been okay. <laughs> I don't know. Normal week. Normal week. Another so. week. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with a gobble gobble day coming up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of hit me that it's next week. I'm like, oh. I felt like it was still like two, three weeks away. <laughs> yeah, it, it's starting to come up for me as well, mainly because like with my first job, I just like we just finished up our our main our like last week before we have like our two week break for you know turkey se- for you know turkey season, and then I fly out Sunday and stuff, and yeah, no, um, yeah, no, it, it's just it's it's hectic, and I'm I'm not well, uh. I kind of wish we had an extension of spooky season, to be perfectly honest. And yes, I'm still going on about the extension of spooky season. <laughs> uh, yeah. But hey, look, I just I'm I'm ready to have some turkey. I'm um, ready to have some mac and cheese. I'm ready to have some mac potatoes. I'm ready to have some potato salad. And just mm-hmm. yeah. Uh yeah, no. Yeah, no, but yeah. Um, anyways, moving on to art. This is the one that I was really I'm still kind of just as we're kind of about to like talk talk about it. I'm just like, God damn it. Yeah. All right. Time to rip off the bandit. Let's do this. Uh, going into our first topic of the day on Friday, Kevin Conroy, best known for voicing Batman on Warner's long running animated television show, Batman, the anime series passed away at the age of 66 following a short battle with cancer. Born on November 30th, 1955 in Westbury, New York, Conroy studied acting under John Houseman at the Juilliard School alongside the likes of Christopher Reeve, Francis Conroy, and Robin Williams. This I actually didn't know about, um, who he roomed, who he actually roomed with. After graduating Juilliard, Conroy moved to California and got his first role on the daytime soap opera Another World in 1980, also guest starring on shows such as Cheers and Matlock. But he would get his big break when he was cast in 1992 as the voice of Bruce Wayne, aka Batman, in the animated series batman the enemies series defined the role of bats and 
bats for an entire generation. In a statement, prominent Joker voice actor, Luke, I mean, Mark Hamill, uh, said, Kevin was perfection. He was one of my favorite people on the planet, and I loved him like a brother. He truly cared for the people around him. His decency show, shown through everything he did. Every time I saw him or spoke with him, my spirits were alleviated. Kevin was survived by his husband, Vaughn C. Williams, sister, Trish, Trisha Conroy, and brother, Tom Conroy. May he rest in peace. Okay. So, when it comes to Batman, and I feel like when you think Batman, one of the first images, besides obviously the live action guys, um, is Kevin Conroy and his voice and stuff. And regardless of when you were born, like I was born, like for a little context, I was born a little after the animated series ended. So my first introduction to him was Batman and Kevin Conroy's iteration of it was um, Sub-Zero was Batman and Robin Sub-Zero and stuff. So when that happened, so through there, I knew the voice and stuff. And while he wasn't like my main voice actor when he went to Batman, that honor would actually go to Diedrich Bader for Batman Brave and the Bold. Because that was a Batman series that was I was growing up with, mostly. It still was a very prominent voice and stuff. And just, you know, over the years, I would hear his voice. And just every time I would think, you know, not the live action versions of Batman, but just when I think like an animated Batman, whether it be in the comics or in the, or in the, um, or on the, on the animated series or even in the um, Arkham Knight video games, you know, it's just, that's what I would think. It's often just, and this happened rather unexpectedly and stuff. And I just, Sorry, y'all. It's it's really starting to hit me. This stuff just, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's it's really sad. He was he was Batman. I grew up with. You know, that was my introduction uh, to Batman. Um, you know, Batman's one of my favorite characters. Uh, whenever I read the comics, you know, it's, it's Kevin Conroy's voice that I you know I hear in my head. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill just like define Batman and the Joker for me so much that like yeah, every time I I, I read those characters, that's that's who I hear. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was grew up like right during the time that like the show was airing and I like followed that, you know, all the way through New Adventures, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. So like as a whole chunk of time, you know, where he was defining uh, the the character and like even, even beyond that, like the video games, the, the Arkham video games, uh, you know, he had such a, a major impact on. Uh, on those, and it's it, it's really you know it, it's sad because you know we recently you know got the news that uh, Bruce Tim and Matt Reeves are working on a new mm -hmm. uh, animated Batman project. Batman um, King it was, Yeah, it was it was heavily rumored that that Conroy was going to return uh, for that. So that's just yeah, it's such a blow uh, to, to to hear the news of his passing for sure. I I didn't know that Conroy that they were trying to court Conroy for that and stuff and like i'm ah, god damn it now i'm just pissed even more <laughs> just yeah um jamie did you grow up with this iteration and stuff um i seen like i didn't grow up with it i seen some episodes of the animated series and it's like um kevin conroy and mark hamill like were so good as batman and joker like really like honestly um so it's very sad but i didn't watch a lot of it growing up as a kid but it's still incredibly sad and 
he does have a very his voice very much like that's the kind of voice I would picture Bruce Wayne or Batman having like his voice kind of thing in my head now a lot of the time so yeah it's very sad Hey, rest in peace. This mm -hmm. ah. I'm tired of losing celebrities this year. Can we just not do that? We've lost way too many this year, and I'm not even. Uh, I mean, I'm really fucking sick. Of this, you know. This. Can we just stop, please? Just stop. Thank you. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next topic. We got an official trailer for Missing. Synopsis reads. From the minds behind searching, which, by the way, if you all haven't seen that one, I highly recommend it. I would actually make a very good argument that's probably like one of the best fan footage movies. Really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, comes missing a thrilling roller coaster mystery that will make you wonder how well you know the closest to you. Uh, when her mother, played by Nia Long, disappears while on vacation in Colombia with her new boyfriend, June, played by uh, June, played by Storm Reed, search for answers is hindered by international red tape. Stuck thousands of miles away in Los Angeles, June creatively uses all the latest technology at her fingertips to try and find her before it's too late. But as she digs deeper, her digital sleuthing raises more questions than answers. And when June unravels secrets about her mother, she discovers that she never really knew her at all. Uh, written and directed by Will Merrick and Nick Johnson, the editors of Searching, from a Story by uh, Sev Oyan and Anish Shangati, uh, who directed Searching. Uh, the film stars Reed Long, Joaquin Del Mili, uh, Ken, Ken Leon, uh, Amy Lancaster, and Dan Henney. Uh, the film is set for release on January 20, 2023. So, uh, okay. I really enjoyed Searching. Um, it was probably, I think, my second favorite movie of 2018 and stuff. So, well, and I also enjoyed, um, I believe it's uh, Oyan and Shangati's. Follow-up film Run, which came out actually during the pandemic, I think, uh, on Hulu, and I actually dug that. So while technically this isn't their third movie, I do consider it to be part of at least the searching uh, continuation and stuff. And I'm actually really curious to see how these guys do in terms of them just being the editors and them writing the script and stuff and stuff. But yeah, no, where where uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this trailer? It looks interesting. I like the way that it's kind of shot. And like how they're incorporating like the technology aspect into it a little bit, like doing the FaceTime clips and stuff like that. I think that's going to be kind of interesting mm -hmm. um, aspect to it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I like that aspect. Yeah, I, I really like that format. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the unfriended movies as well, which kind of use a a similar you know computer screen uh, mixed media uh, format. So yeah, I, I like searching a lot. Um, I think that the the cast in this looks really good. Um, I really like Storm Reed. I think she's a really talented young actress. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I concur, especially after uh, watching two seasons of Euphoria and The Suicide Squad. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also Neil Long. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, I look just as a kid growing up, especially in the like two thousands. Neil Long's was a name that you did hear repeatedly. Especially in my household, so obviously I'll watch anything that belongs in. But yeah, no, it's just it's a name that I haven't heard for a while. But it's a name I definitely heard growing up, mm -hmm. especially like soul food and stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think I'm. Oh wait, no, that was something else. Anyways, uh, I was just gonna. I was just also just thinking about Friday for a second. Mm -hmm. God, that that for, that first Friday. <laughs> Sorry, I. Just, 
<laughs> anyway, I know that's I know that's a very different very different uh, genre from what this is, but like it's just it, it's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, moving on to our second our second topic, uh, first reported on by the New York Times and later collaborated uh, cooperated by other publications, including Deadline. Uh, prolific horror producers Jason Blum and James Wan are in advanced talks to merge their respective production companies, Blumhouse and Atomic Monsters. According to Deadline, should the merger go through, Atomic Monsters will benefit from the first look deal with Universal Pictures that Blumhouse is currently under. Having come to the conclusion with its own deal with Warner Brothers over the summer with the Alliance, he's expected to increase the company's combined output with Atomic Monsters to utilize Blumhouse's existing infrastructure to scale its activities across film, television, and new content areas, including games, live experiences, and audio. Meanwhile, the companies will continue to operate as separate labels, with each maintaining its own creative autonomy and brand identity. So, okay, I'm not going to lie. I think it's actually, Richard, I think this was actually, I think I saw a reply to your tweet about this um, later or uh, yesterday when this news dropped and stuff, because I was like, wait, what the f- what the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting. It's exciting news. It means a lot more horror coming down the pipeline, for sure, which is always good. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I also, you know, it's it's great too because you know they're focusing on on mid budget films, mm-hmm. you know, so we're looking at projects that'll cost around like, you know, fifteen to twenty million, which is also really good because, I mean, horror movies, you know, they really make their money back. So I think that we'll see. This sparked like a lot more original ideas, but also a lot of new franchises. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a, a win-win situation. Um, and Blumhouse already has a great deal with um, Universal, mm-hmm. um, and that the original contract ends in uh, April of next year. But all signs point to them renewing it. Um, oh, they're definitely going to renew. Yeah, yeah. Donna Langley, the head of Universal, you know, commented on the merger, and she was very excited about it. And Blum talked about him and Juan developing not only fiat projects for theaters, but also for Peacock as well. Mm. Um, so they've definitely got uh, uh, big plans in the works. They they uh, mentioned that they want to do eight uh, theatrical features a year um, and then uh, four uh, streaming projects uh, on Peacock. Yeah. Dang, they're, they're, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're like, that's MCU levels. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Jamie, I know you're not the biggest fan of horror. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. Um, I know that one of the things of horror is you can they definitely make their money back, and they're not as high budget as some of the other stuff. So that's why they can make a lot of their money back because you mm-hmm. can make make it that. But this is, I think, this is interesting. I think it'll be cool. We yeah. see. It's interesting. Also, I'm I'm. <sighs> I'm still trying. I'm still figuring around name for them. Um, Atomic Blumhouse, maybe. Yeah, that was what I that was what I threw out the other day. Uh. <laughs> yeah, or or monster, or I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what else you would or Atomic or monster Blumhouse. I don't know. I Blumhouse sure. Atomic. Okay, now that sounds like an energy drink. To be perfect, the first one sounded better. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm with the first one because, like, if you try figuring out anything else, it's just like, yeah. But either way, <laughs> this is really freaking cool. I, I'm excited to see what comes of this. And yeah. Anyway, moving on to our next topic. According to THR, Stranger Things star Joseph Quinn is in talks to join the cast of uh, Quiet Place 
uh, day one, uh, starring alongside Lupi and Iago. The film is set to be directed by paid director Michael Sharnarski and based off an original story by John Karansky with the release date set for March 8th, 2024. So, uh, okay, I initially had a story for this. When the news first dropped about Lupita, I initially had like the Lupita's casting, but I had to cut it out due to time. So this is actually going to be our first stop time talking about Lupita's casting as well as Joseph's. And um i'm really now starting to become really interested in this project i think it's gonna be really good yeah i uh i, I don't know if you guys saw uh uh pig mm-hmm. that michael swarovski did with uh nicholas cage um that was that was a really good movie he definitely has like a strong sense of of of, of style um and just kind of like uh, that that backgrounded feeling that I feel like Krasinski brought to this like alien invasion can definitely see that working. And then, I mean, Lupita is amazing in everything. Like, mm-hmm. so like you already have like one of the best like actors in the business as your lead. And then Joseph Quinn really impressed with Stranger Things. So mm-hmm. I think that this movie is going to be uh, really, really big. I think that it's definitely going to like justify itself as a, as a spinoff for sure. You know, definitely. And I'm like, and again, I'm just really just this cast is like this is a pretty damn good cast. And also I did mm-hmm. see Pig and stuff, and like that was really freaking good. Um, I think it was I think it might have been one of my favorite I think I'm trying to figure out where it was on my list of like because it came out last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. Cause I think it might have been one of my favorite movies of last year. I might have double checked my letterbox on this, but like it was really good, and I am very curious to see like just how Sardarsky does with his cast and stuff. And yeah, no, and I know this one had a kind of an uphill battle trying to get off the ground because originally we had another director for this, um, Jeff Nichols, Jeff Nichols for this, but yeah, which, which would have also been interesting as well, especially if you've seen um, Midnight Shelter and stuff. Yeah, but he's doing a he's doing a motorcycle movie with uh, Tom Hardy now, so oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, anyways, moving on to our next topic and moving far away from the realm of horror. Uh, an exclusive from THR reports that Disney is returning to the world of the Princess Diaries with Preacher and Quantum Leap writer, um, and, and forgive me if I mispronounce his name, uh, Adrita Mercaccia, um, penning a script for a new installment, which would be a continuation of the Anne Hathaway led series of films rather than a reboot. In addition to the script, Deborah Martin Chase, who produced the first two Princess Irene films, is producing the new film. However, what about Anne Hathaway herself? Well, according to the exclusive, Hathaway does not have a deal to return, according to sources, but she has publicly stated her support for a third installment, with the hope is she would return should the new potential movie move forward beyond the script stage. So, you're probably wondering, this isn't anything, this is more Disney. Well, here's the thing. The Princess Diaries was my shit as a kid. <laughs> Just... It can't. My look. My mom's name is my mom is named after same character. That main character as Anne Hathaway's character is. He also has Julie Andrews. Is that San Francisco? Yeah. This is a home. This is a this is a home movie. So so yeah. No. So and also, I've been like wondering when the like they're gonna make a third installment. Also, I think this might have been the introduction of. Me, uh, I think this might have been Chris Pine's first role, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So he has to come back as well. <laughs> if they can't get Anne Hathaway, Julie Andrews back, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It's like, because like, like 
Julie Andrews doesn't have to be in a lot of it, but she could have like because I'm assuming if they get in Hathaway back, they'll probably do they'll probably be her as queen, like and Hathaway's role as queen and stuff like that, like her fully being taken on that role completely. And I don't know, like there's a lot of fun stuff they could do with this. I'm act like it's been so long since the first two, but I'm excited. I I love those movies as a kid. They were so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, Richard, do you have any nostalgic attachment to this franchise, or? Yeah, I, I actually like I, I saw the uh, the original two in theaters uh, when I was a kid. Uh, definitely fun movies. Uh, but yeah, I agree. If if they can't get and halfway back to Julie Andrews, there's really no point in, in doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's be cool that, that's get, what we want. That's what everybody's yeah. going to want. Is, yeah. It'd be, it'd be cool if they could get Mandy Moore back, too. That's like a. Yeah. Wait, small Mandy. Role. Wait. Oh my God. I completely forgot that Mandy Moore was in this movie. Yeah. She's like the, the mean girl in the, in the first one. Oh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've seen these movies. <laughs> so like, okay, I need to, okay, okay. Just make sure that this is going to be on Disney Plus later because I'll probably be watching that. <laughs> or at least throwing that on the background. But yeah, no, it just, I completely, I completely forgot about that and stuff. So yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, y'all. Anyways, moving on to our actually our last topic of the day. Uh, excuse me, and also before before I continue, uh, this is rumor mill, y'all. So uh, please take this with a grain of salt. Uh, exclusive from the site, the Illuminate Nerdy reveals some character descriptions for its up, uh, for Marvel Studios' upcoming series, Agatha: Agent of Chaos. With the first one being being about uh, Joe Locke's character, who, according to exclusive, is a gay teen, teen with a dark sense of humor who lives in the moment, is witty, astute, and can sometimes be a little fanboy. With the possible theory that Locke is playing Billy Kaplan, aka Wiccan, who in the comics is the son of Wanda Maxwell, aka the Scarlet Witch. In addition, the series is currently casting Patrick, a man in his 40s who is authentically Jewish, and is supposed to appear in episodes one through three, as well as a white woman also in her 30s and is optimally authentically Jewish with Maria Disney um, set to play this character. And finally, Marvel is casting Evelyn, who is set to only be in three episodes with the studio searching all kinds of actresses in almost any age, range, and ethnicity as they have actress when you uh have to betray a strong evil and ancient soul and have to convey emotions without speaking her presence alone must have a chilling effect on the ones in her midst okay not gonna lie that last description sounds like um uh zool from ghostbusters just uh just like just because i remember like when they cast it uh, i think that was like a, that was a dancer right if i'm not mistaken in that in that original one i can't remember to be honest i don't remember either it was it was a person that like came out came out and stuff and and she was in like the span and she was like in the like the glary spandex that they um all confront like at the top of the building. It was yeah, Sigourney Weaver, that. right? Well, Sigourney yeah. Weaver was one of the um the um demon dogs. Okay. Yeah, she turned into one of the demon dogs. Same thing as Rick Moranis. Gotcha. And yeah, no. Um. So yeah, so okay, so it's official. It's it looks it looks like the. Okay, I'm like ninety percent certain that Locke's character is gonna be Billy. Probably. Yeah. It. There's been rumors about the that character description has been going around for a minute, even before he was cast. I've heard not a lot, and I didn't take it very seriously, but I've heard that, that was probably what's gonna end up happening. Mm -hmm. So, I'll be, it'll be interesting. Um. 
to see. Just have to, I guess, wait and see until they officially announce it, which probably be a while. Yeah, But yeah, no, no, definitely, yeah. definitely. And also, I initially, before I mentioned the Ghostbusters comparison, I was thinking that initially Evan Loom was actually going to be Aubrey Plaza's character. Yeah. But then, I, but then the whole bit about like her, like without speaking. Yeah. Um. No, Aub Aubrey's going to want to speak. Because <laughs> um. Yeah, and also like I'm still excited, but yeah, no, this this cast, um, this project. I'll be honest. Until I think what, the Plaza casting was a week ago, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Okay, until this until about a week ago, I was a bit, um, uh, just mixed on this, mainly because I just didn't see why we needed the heck of the show. Like I honestly felt like it could have probably been like one of the special presentations that they're that they're considering. But after this casting got announced, I'
I'm probably going to go a little bit all over the place when it comes to this. Um, just I just thought that this movie was just awesome. It's easily the best Final Phase 4. Um, but what were some standouts to you guys? Um, Letitia Wright did a very good job because I feel like she probably wasn't going to be pushed to the front so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, she probably wasn't expecting to have to pick up after that. Um, but I think she did a very good job, regardless of all the stuff going on. But uh-huh. um, Shoya was, like, really, really good in this movie. And I felt her felt her emotions the whole time throughout the whole movie. And, um, yeah, and then Angela Bassett was incredible. Uh-huh. Um, she was very good uh, and stuff. Like, those, they, they, those two were, like, my standouts, like, the whole movie. Uh-huh. Uh so yeah. 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 Richard, what were your standouts mainly? Um, Tanaka Puerta's uh Namor uh I thought was yeah. was great. I, I really liked what he did with the character. Um he's a you know, he's a complicated character, I feel like, to to get right. Because I feel like I mean I feel like even in the comics, like some writers like push it too far and like they can't find like that like you know, like he's always gonna be, he's always kind of a dick, but like sometimes like he kinda like him, but some writers push it too far and it's just like he's annoying. And so I feel like to find that balance as an actor is like really challenging. And so I feel like he did a great job of like getting into like tapping into the arrogance of the character, but also, you know, making him a sympathetic figure. I feel like the whole, you know, origin scene, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with his mom and like coming on land a barrier like i feel like that was such a powerful scene um you know and and being called like the child without love you know and and that where that's where he gets his name from like i thought that that was a really like creative decision for the character that really worked um and like you do you know you do understand his his plight like i feel like that's the thing that kugler and cole do so well that they did with killmonger uh too is that like yes like they're they're morally wrong but like at the same time they're making they're making strong points you know mm-hmm. like the, these countries like invaded their home and put his people you know at risk you know they're they're the ones who 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 started this they just wanted to be to be left alone and so i think that you know i think that his approach to kind of combating colonialism uh is is really interesting um mm-hmm. and just like to see to see that kind of like righteous anger uh displayed mm-hmm. on screen i thought was was powerful i i 1000 agree and also just and i feel like we just we just got that from out of the gate because i'm just thinking of just angela bassett's opening scene with the un mm-hmm. like yeah. not, not gonna lie that was like just yes yeah. yes i just yeah. Just her like staring down, like, and just scolding them. Like before she's about to speak, she just looks at the both of them and be like, "You motherfuckers!" <laughs> just, yeah, just, 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 like honestly, I'd probably just be like, and the Oscar goes too. <laughs> yeah, and the the, the cross cutting between like you know France breaking into their resource uh research facility to steal vibranium i thought that was really well done too and just mm-hmm. like how that parallels you know the ending um you know in haiti given you know the history of you know mm-hmm. france invading mm-hmm. 
Haiti and, you know, the colonialism that happened there and like the effects of that that are still happening. Like, I feel like there's so much intentionality to what Kugler and Cole do in terms of like highlighting, you know, not only like the fact that like we have these, these conflicts, flicks that are like within the fictional confines of the MCU, but also just like how they mirror real world conflicts. Like he never forgets that aspect as well. You know, so like despite the fact that like yes, like they're invading like this fictional country for this fictional resource, like this has a basis in reality. Like France has done that historically, you know, to black populated countries and to, you know, Latino populated countries. So I feel like there's very much like a, a mirroring aspect going uh you know, throughout this movie that really I think helps helps ground it. and I feel like that's what makes it resonate so strongly with people because it's not just it doesn't just feel like another superhero movie or comic book maybe like it actually feels like it's you know providing some education about you know the the global infrastructure of, of the world but yeah no i really um but yeah no just that cross cut that you mentioned um i want to just give credit to uh jennifer lane who by the way did tenet for christ's sake for nolan uh, Kelly Dixon and Michael uh, Shaver for that because that was really good. I also another bit of like cross cutting slash like sort of montage bit is when Shuri uh, when Shuri and Riri are working lab. Which by the way, speaking of Riri, um, I really fucking love Dominique Thorne's Riri. She was good. She was great. I'm excited to see more of her. Yeah, um, I I wish we got a little bit more in the movie of her, but from what at least for me who doesn't have very much knowledge of her from the comics. Um, I'm really interested to see her show and to get to know her more and and stuff like that. And because she was great, I liked her a lot. Yeah, no, I I really I really dug her as well and stuff. And just I guess I felt like she was like the audience POV, especially like when they were in the cave and stuff. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. stuff, and just thinking that white woman from Indiana Jones, <laughs> or when Jerry takes the. Uh, herb uh thing and then Riri goes can I get some of that too it was pretty funny yeah <laughs> yeah no like I really I really I and also just Dominique Thorne just yeah no she was great and I can't wait and honestly I can't wait to see um just Ironheart and stuff and which I know Coogler is a executive producer on so he will be involved yep. in that and yeah but yeah no also and before I forget I, I, I do want to talk about um obviously we talked about Bassa obviously we talked about Hereta um, and we just talk about Thorne. I want to talk uh, Bubaku because I really enjoyed him. <laughs> yeah, I, Winston Duke is always great. I, I love Bubaku as a character, um, and it's like it's so cool too that you know again they they took this character who like was very like minor in the Marvel mythos, but also just like not a great character, just like you know, a, a very, like, racially, like, stereotypical, you know, kind of, like, brutish African character, um, you know, who's a, who's an antagonist uh, in the comics, and just, like, really, you know, elevated him and, like, made him, mm-hmm. like, a well-rounded, developed character, and I love the fact that, like, he's kind of, like, a, a, a mentor and advisor to Shuri. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really nice touch, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, especially, like, with Shuri dealing with the loss of her brother, like, seeing M'Baku kind of be, like, this brotherly figure to her, uh, I thought yeah, that was and, a really nice Yeah, especially during Ramonda's funeral, which, 
by the way, I was not expecting Ramonda to die. Like that was not on. Like I did not hear anything yeah. about that. And keep in mind, and, and I'm just gonna say this right now because we'll cover this in a little bit. But like Jamie and I heard some stuff. Yeah, that was one thing that I, in hindsight, probably should have picked up on. But mm-hmm. also, I'm like, it like I it did not see it coming. It was one of those where I was like, I really thought that she was gonna be okay after mm-hmm. the whole oh, oh, yeah, water no. thing attack thing and i was just like okay i was like it, yeah i was like well it's, i was like and then because the scene and there's a scene in the trailer where shuri's like being held back by i forgot who it is maybe a koi or mm-hmm. somebody and mm-hmm. i thought that was when she was going to find out about um about t'challa but no, it was actually when she found when Ramonda died, so it's very yeah, it's sad. And also just losing Ramonda and also losing T'Challa, which by the way, I I gotta give this movie credit. They go for the jugular, mm-hmm. like second one minute, like second one minute one. They literally go for the jugular and tackling um Chadwick's and T'Challa and ultimately T'Challa's passing and stuff, and just holy shit! I wasn't like I was just like oh shit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was like, like they they like had to rip the bandaid off because like I feel like we all knew it was coming. So I feel like you know it was a good decision to just like jump right in and do it, and then like deal with the the aftermath of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and also just and it didn't feel exploitative. Like I feel like if they had like waited and drawn it out and like tried to make it some kind of like a surprise thing, it would have felt exploitative. Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah, and I, I actually agree with you on that. And there's, um, and I just like how we deal with like each character's interactions. Which, by the way, we, um, one thing I really liked, and I can't believe we're forgetting about these two, um, Lapita and Danny Guerrero scene, scene about about T'Challa, and just hearing that reaction stuff, and just and knowing, and actually seeing the movie a second time, and seeing and knowing we know what the post credits scene, I'm like, oh, this actually means a lot more deeper mm-hmm. and stuff, and yeah. Which, by the way, Danny Guerrero. Um, holy shit, she is just gray as a koye. Um, I oh, that that whole entire fucking scene with her and Bassett, and like, I a part of me is just like, I get Ramonda's side, but I'm also like, it wasn't her fault. <laughs> I know you but. get both sides, and that's what's so like because you get why Ramonda's so done because she's lost her husband. She's lost her son, and now her daughter's missing. She's just done. And so she's like, and probably in the back of her head, she knows it's not intentionally Okoye's fault, but like, she's just done. But then you know Okoye is just feeling so bad. And was like, let me go help. Let me go do whatever. I will find her. And like, let me make up for like, getting like for all this, even though it wasn't her fault. Yeah. Although I will say this, I think we might have got some Dormelage stuff cut. Because I remember something in the trailer about a scene where like um where like I guess it's either um I think it might have been Michelle uh, Michelle Cole's character like she was up against like a whole squash of like Dormelage or at least it was about to be like yeah a there was um so like originally there was like a greater like uh tension between the Dormelage and like following tradition and like you know, using, like, the advanced technology that we see with, like, the Midnight Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, like, originally, like, um, uh, Okoye and uh, Anika had, like, a there was more tension between them about, like, the future of the Dora. Like, Okoye is very much like a traditionalist held in the past. And Anika is very much like, you know, we need to, like, adopt these new technologies and, like, you know, move forward. You know, like, let go of the spears. You know, we can use these, like, vibranium knives. Um, and so some of that did get did get cut. Um, and for, for what I've heard is that, like, that's going to play more so into the the show, the, the Wakanda show that's being developed, which I've heard is going to, like, focus primarily on the Dora mm-hmm. and the Midnight Angels. So I think we'll see mm. more of that there. Okay, all right. And that's the World of Wakanda show that might be um, converting into special presentation following World by Night? Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, in that case, then that makes sense. Because I remember seeing that in the trailer, I was like, oh, we're going to get Dora Milaje strength, and then we don't get it. And also, I'm just thinking, like, this is the second bit of Dora Milaje slash Okoye stuff that we kind of got cut. Because I'm thinking about that scene with her and Daniel Kaluuya. That, mm. like, Kugler had to cut because, like, even though he really liked the scene, it just did not fit. And yeah. stuff, and but either, but besides that, her also fight on the bridge. Yeah, the Atuma fight was sweet. I yeah. actually like. I was actually a little worried that she was gonna that she was gonna get killed during that scene. Yeah, no, same same here and stuff. And like, I was just like, just and also just how it just turned silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just stuff like, like, and also it kind of also came unexpected because like you know you're having fun with this like car chase against the police and stuff and. Yeah, you got yeah. Like, you got like pumping music, be like, <laughs> and then it's like, and then like you see like all three of them like flying or like riding a motorcycle and flying. Um, Ironheart, um, Riri, and they're like, I'm I'm just gonna call it um, uh, Mark One Ironheart suit, and then just you know, uh, going in the car and sharing the motorcycle, and then just, and then it just all all ex- and just all ends, which I think that might have been the injury that. Letitia got yeah it was yeah because like a part of that yeah a part of that looked practical but also a part of that looked like cg yeah it was the yeah the yeah motorcycle wire work yeah oh anchors yeah uh that uh, yeah uh but yeah no like so there was just that and stuff and just and just how that, and then just it all just goes silent. And I just, I really like the scene. I just really like that scene. Although I just want to give credit to um, Autumn Duralt's Arpaca cinematography. Like, yeah, just I just I just felt like the frame was just wider, and just like um, it just was expansive. And just combine that with like um, Hannah Baker's production design. It just it just. Mwah. Yeah, it looked it looked great. She did Loki as well, didn't she? She she did do Loki. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that Loki looked great. Um and so yeah, I, I thought she did a, I thought she did a great job. I know people were like concerned that like Rachel Morris wasn't returning, but mm-hmm. I thought that the film looked great and then you know Ruthie Carter's costumes are like always so on point. Oh, like, mm, oh my god. Really she really out she really outdid herself. No, I mean, like, she she did. Especially yeah. with all the name war, especially with name when oh no more. Yeah. When the Moors stuff and like just oh my god, just the not a detail just, just goes into this. And also, let's not forget Ludwig, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, Ludwig Gornson. 
always great. I so many great tracks. I've been listening to the soundtrack like all week since I've seen it. When I've been like writing my writing my stuff. Uh yes, just like I love the blend of like some of the like traditional like African like beats and sounds with like kind of like this like tech rhythm. And it like feels like very much like it encapsul encapsulates like Shuri's like whole, you know goal for Wakanda is just like you know this melding of like tradition with like advancement and I feel like the soundtrack echoed that which was cool yeah no same yeah no I I 1000% agree especially like the title track Wakanda Forever like yeah. it, just, it starts very like doom doom and like you don't hear the theme until like you get towards the end and also yeah. just I and also just other track other tracks as well the main soundtrack like Rihanna's song, um, I actually refused to listen to Rihanna's song until I saw the movie. Mm. And listening it there, just like I think it mentally broke me. Um, but like, and like apparently from what I understand, because I was um I was talking to some other folks about this, apparently, like no one really liked it when it first dropped. And I was kind of actually surprised. I don't know, was this true or not? Uh, because I was avoiding conversation about this. I didn't, I, I'm like not super in touch with like music Twitter, all like that. Cause I just like, I listen to it and like, if I like it, then I like it. I never really like pay attention to what people say about music. Uh, I did listen to it before. Um, and I, I, I liked it. I thought that it, it worked really well over the, the end credits. Um, I believe that Rihanna, um, she talked to um, uh, Chadwick Boseman's uh, widow um um while well, she was writing the the, the song and like mm -hmm. you know just getting her her feelings and like you know learning more about who she was so like that played into the writing of the song so mm -hmm. i thought that was really that was really touching they showed up at the premiere together mm, nice, uh, nice, nice. yeah nice. yeah yeah no and like just yeah, and also, like, uh, there's one track I like, and this is actually during that, like, montage bit where um, Riri and Shuri are working in the lab. Um, I think it's Interlude by Stormy. Like, just, I, I I like that bit, and just, like, it just, again, this fucking movie just, oh, my God. Like, if I, like, I don't think I really have any issues with it, and, like, there's, do, do any of y'all have any issues with it before I say anything else? Uh, I, I, I don't like, I don't like Val still, which is not, it's not a, I feel like it's not a Coogler issue. It's just that like, I don't, I don't, I don't really enjoy what like Dreyfus is doing with the character. Like it just like, there's just something about it that just like, I just like, I don't, I don't believe her as a character. It feels very like I'm in a skit and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's, like, a part of, like, she doesn't feel like she's, like, grounded within the world of, like, what's happening. It's just, like, a little too, like, flippant and sardonic for me, but. That, that's fair. I mean, for me, I get why, but also I'm, I'm fine with it, honestly, but then again, I actually do understand why. I mean, just, like, for example, I think, like, for, like, a good chunk of her career, like, Dreyfus has played we essentially know Dreyfus from like Seinfeld Elena Seinfeld and stuff so like when we see her in this and she's not kind of playing you know the same type of character that she was it's kind of a bit of an adjustment period 
And I do think that like we're, it's an adjustment period that I think we're still, I think, trying to get used to. Like, I won't lie that I had the same thing, but like, I didn't, like, I didn't hate her. And actually, I'm kind of surprised at some of the stuff that we learned about her, including in uh, Martin Freeman's Ross, Everett Ross. Because, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. She, it's just, I think, like, for me, I'm just still, I'm waiting for the other, we know she's, like, setting up something. So I'm just kind of waiting for more, because when we see her, we only get very small glimpses of her. Mm -hmm. We see her a little bit in Falcon and Winter Soldier. She pops up at the end of Black Widow in the post credit scene. Um, we don't really, she doesn't, even though she's connected in the Hawkeye stuff by sending Elena and all that stuff, like, there's just these little things, like, we, this is the first time that we really see her a little bit more, and she has that connection with Ross and stuff like that, but we still kind of don't know what exactly she's doing, mm -hmm. I guess, at least for me, like, I'm still, like, she's after something, she's trying to do something, but that's, yeah. Yeah, the current theory that I actually read up today is that um, I think we're kind of headed into a Dark Reigns type storyline slash Sea Dragon storyline. I just, with Wakanda kind of in the middle, because for those that don't know what Siege or Dark Reign storyline, that's essentially Dark, uh, Dark Reign is when Norman Osborn took control of the Avengers mm. uh, and created, I think, like the Dark Avengers slash, or I think that's also when kind of where Thunderbolts came in. Asterisk on that. Um, but Siege is also when, like, um, not Wakanda, but, like, by, I think, like, the U.S. government and stuff. And now knowing that, like, you know, and also we just learned about this, I think, this week, um, knowing that, like, Harrison Ford is going to be playing the Red Hulk because he gets infected with the Hulk serum and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's going to be interesting. I do think she's going to have a very big role in this. But, like, it's going to be long-term. And speaking of that, moving on to, like, just, like, just... The future of stuff um one question is she in thunderbolts has she been officially slated to be in that movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, so. I couldn't remember for sure but i was i'd be surprised if she wasn't okay yeah and then it was just announced yesterday that she'll be in uh captain america new world order so oh, okay uh, okay okay makes sense i see the puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. And also, there's this new theory now. I don't know if you heard about it now, but like, they're trying, like, essentially, now that they really can't get vibranium, this is how we get animantium. Hmm. Which, which is how we get also Weapon X, which is also how we get Wolverine. Da -da 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 but yeah, also Nate Namor did call himself a mutant. Mm -hmm. So like, <laughs> so we're getting the we're getting X Men the are coming. They are coming. I I, I it's just it's just also like I remember hearing like a little like slither of like the like in the score while they were talking. I did hear a little slither of like the X Men theme song. And I'm just and I'm just like, okay, this has to be a joke in Deadpool three. Like the word either mutant <laughs> and stuff. And then you hear the excellent thing song. It's like, wait, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. 
we got essentially an official confirmation of mutants beyond Miss Marvel. And so, God, okay, yeah, we're getting mutants. We're probably not going to get into at least after Secret Wars, but we are getting the mutants mm-hmm. very, very soon, which is definitely going to be very interesting and stuff. And I big focus after Secret Wars. Yeah, no, most definitely. Likely. Most definitely. And speaking of that, um, so the mid credit scene, as we kind of mentioned before. Jamie and I learned about this because this was um you called report- it <laughs> well this was reported on a, and I'm surprised no one okay I want to actually give credit to Lizzie Hill she's the um editor-in-chief at Cosmic Cir- at the Cosmic Circus mm-hmm. and such and like she reported on this back in December of 2021 and I'm deeply surprised no one else picked up on this like, I'm just, like, I'm shocked almost and stuff. And, like, it's just... Uh... I I had heard about him having a, uh, a son. I did not know that he was named uh, T'Challa. Um, that was that was a cool surprise. But I did I did hear about him and Nikia having a son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And, like, I just... Like, I'm not going to lie. It just made my heart melt and also just made me sob. Yeah, and just and just also just because it kind of like also like weirdly parallels the first movie's ending, hmm. and just and just T'Challa, you know, we have T'Challa Junior and stuff, and just and just also just like you know, you know, Sherry's response to the whole thing and stuff, and like did my and like she asked like did my mother meet him, and it's like yeah she did, and just. And I just this <laughs> movie, this movie. Oh god, god damn you! And just this movie, just again, I've seen this movie twice. It's an emotionally rough movie, mm-hmm. and stuff. And just like I, I, I did like though that <laughs> you know I felt like it. It was hopeful, you know. By the end, like I feel like it's definitely like. An emotional like roller coaster, but like I didn't leave the movie feeling you know depressed. Like I felt like hopeful and optimistic at the end, and mm-hmm. I felt you know I felt like that you know the there was something to look forward to in the future, and like mm-hmm. that it it honored Chadwick in a respectful way while also you know moving moving forward. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I think for me, it's just. Um, I mentioned this kind of off air and stuff, and I'll I'll mention here honestly. Um, I lost my grandmother this year, um, back in May and stuff, and you know with gobble gobble season coming up, and just you know I'm, I'm starting to. This is gonna be the first year without you know my grandmother who lived a long good life. She died at ninety six, et cetera, et cetera. But you know it's just I think grief just grief's a bitch. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all what phase four is, if you think about it. Starting off with WandaVision, dealing with Wanda and her grief, with Vision and everything, and then we're ending with Black Panther and then Shuri's whole arc in this whole movie of her not wanting to do the funeral tradition at the beginning with burning the funeral garbs and then her finally getting to the place at the end of the movie where she could do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like like if you look like it, yeah, yeah, this whole the whole movie and phase four in general, a lot of phase four in general. 
Yeah, which makes me wonder, Kevin, are you going through some stuff? Like, do, do you need to call a therapist? <laughs> like, just, do, do you need to talk to someone, Kevin? Like, once? <laughs> oh, and Sherry's arc was actually quite, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about it, and Sherry's arc is kind of similar to what T'Challa went through when he lost his father in Civil War. Got very angry, wanted revenge on Bucky, all of that stuff, and then he kind of got sick. It's not exactly the same, but it's kind of similar. So that means, yeah, and you're not wrong about the connection to the Civil War because I, I just, I just thought about the line: um, "Vengeance has consumed you; it's consuming mm-hmm. them. I'm done letting it consume me." That's literally Shuri's mind throughout the third act of the fight mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with Namor and stuff, and just, just you know, just that whole thing and stuff, and just. My God, Kugler again. I I commend Kugler Cole and everyone who worked on this movie. This was probably not a very easy movie to make. Yeah, I'm sure it was. The fact that it turned out as good as it did is amazing. Because the like with COVID, with Chadwick, with everything, like they it's like this is literally probably one of the best. It's definitely the best one out of Phase Four. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the but be- it's one of the best Marvel movies, I think, personally. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I I one thousand percent agree with you, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out where the hell it's gonna go on my ranking list. Yeah, I know, me too. Because like it's just I I don't want to like do the thing. Like I actually very much hold. I'll be yeah. honest, I actually have not looked at that many reviews for this movie, mainly because of just how I felt strongly about it, but also just. Like you know, like for a little bit of context, like sometimes after I go see a movie and after I get my thoughts out about it, I will look at other people's review and like compare and contrast and that type of stuff. This one I didn't, and I just and it just it's weird because normally I would, but it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just this one's good, y'all. Go see it if you haven't, and yeah. Um, before we close out, do we have any other recommendations for the week? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Richard, do you have any recommendations, whether it be film, TV, um, even books or et cetera? Um trying to think. I like have not had time to like really like watch anything else. Um I'm playing God of War Ragnarok currently, and that's awesome. Um yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I, 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 okay, full disclosure with this, I actually don't, for various reasons, I don't really have time. Well, it, I have nothing against video games or anything like that. I do want to play video games, I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I yeah. have heard, I have heard Ragnarok is going well, so thumbs up on that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, well, anyways, I think we're going to close it out for the day. Um, thank you so much, Richard, for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Where can uh, the good people find you? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter um, at Richard L. Newby. Um, I post all my articles and stuff there. Um, and then my short story collection, We Make Monsters Here, is available on Amazon. Uh, the link to that is uh, in my bio. Um, thank you guys for having me. This was a, a fun conversation. Uh, no, no. The, thank you for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And you're always welcome yeah. back on as well. Awesome. Anyways, uh, Jamie, you mind closing us out real quick? 
No problem. Um, so also we will link uh, Richard's information in our show notes too. So you guys can go and follow him and all that mm -hmm. good stuff. Um, but feel free to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter at Convo with Two Geeks. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. And if you want to send us an email about anything from this episode or one of our previous episodes, we're at Conversation with Two Geeks at gmail.com. All right. Anyways, take care, y'all. Bye. Bye bye.